Welcome to the Rise and Search podcast. I'm your host, David Lovejoy, inviting you on an exploration of the global business landscape. Join me as we discover insights from world-class professionals. Carla Vivaldi, could you please introduce yourself to our audience? I'm 57, Italian, married two times, and I have two daughters. I basically passionate about people, innovation, transformation. I'm uh, super passionate about sport and in particular about tennis. And when I grew up, I took a lot of learning from sport because I played 17 years basketball. And that was also following me in my professional career. From the professional side, I didn't want to work for a bank. I hated banking. And then uh, my mom convinced me to, to apply. I basically lasted 30 years in banking, so I've been positive and luckily moving around in a, in a very international company. And after 30 years, I basically got out of that. And at that point, I, I became entrepreneur. <laughs> so I put together my passion, which I mentioned at the beginning. And by chance, I found something which uh, I'm now focusing on. So this is a nutshell of who I am and also very quickly also my my life up to now. Thank you. Yeah, your banking career is impressive. Over a quarter of a century, top banking executive. Like what led to you making that decision to leave that behind? I've been uh, growing the organization up to the level of being almost the global CEO in the last uh, round uh, two times, and then has been chosen in both cases an external. So the first time it was perfectly fine to also demonstrate that I could work for a new CEO. The second time, I think it was the time to leave also the new CEO free to create his own team. And uh, it was a mutual agreement, so I left. That was a uh, simple like that, which uh, is what happens in many cases. And now I'm looking forward. Okay, that makes sense. Many entrepreneurs spot a problem and try to solve it. And that's the start of their entrepreneurial journey. What was that for you? You know, when I ended my 30 year experience, uh, what I wanted is to focus on things which I like. That's why I started at the beginning saying that I like uh, people, innovation, transformations. I yeah. said anything will enter in one of those three directions, I will, I will consider because it was a moment I really wanted to, to match my passion together with uh, what I would like to do. And in this journey, the story is very funny because uh, I'm passionate about tennis. I have in this house, which I'm in my country house is in the Prosecco Hills. I always wanted to have a tennis court on the side of the, of the building. Don't we are? My architect is a... 30 years friendship. And I asked him to ask the permission. He said, it's impossible because it's a UNESCO area. Ah. There is uh, no way that we give you the permission. I said, come on, you can ask. And so back and forth until one day he came and he said, unfortunately, no one is going to buy the sporting club of Vittorio Veneto, which is 10 minutes from here. Okay. And I said, are you joking? I don't want 10 tennis courts, a pool, and then a restaurant. I, I want just one tennis court. Right. I said, well, I'm telling you like this, just for information, you do whatever you want. Uh -huh. And that was uh, stuck in my mind. And I started to study the asset. I said, interesting. Then I said, what am I going to do with this? I studied all the businesses which today or in the future will be in. So the tennis, paddle, gym, uh, spa, pool, restaurant, bistro, and hotel. 
And I built up a business case, which I thought it was uh, extremely interesting. And then I said, let's ask for a third party, expert of this. So they did a feasibility study. They confirmed my assumptions. And then I said, okay, let's uh, buy it. I bought it. And then since a year and a half, I'm developing it. It's a project which is going to to develop uh, uh, as a transformation in uh, probably a few months from now. And then in 14 months, we'll open. And in while doing that, I discovered there is space especially in Italy and around Italy, for country clubs, which today they are old, they are not equipped, they don't have innovation inside, they don't have a mix of business because maybe they have a focus. So I found a space. So all in all, this is a way to give back to the territory where I started in terms of social inclusion, in terms of business, but also to to create something uh, with triple impact, so also the environmental one. And then to get a challenge to create something new, which is close to my passion, which are sports, especially tennis. So this basically is the, the reason why I'm doing this uh, as of today. It sounds like a combination between a happy accident and an emerging strategy. Is that fair to say? I, I, I think yes, because the most important things in life are not happening because you you want them to happen, but they're happening by chance. And so what I tried is to to create, I mean, directions within which I would have accepted mm. things or challenges which could have come. And this yeah. was absolutely not predicted. I never thought I would have uh, purchased a sporting club. But you know, the, when I, I started to grow and became and become older... I realized that many things are happening because you are there in that moment. And because you're there in that moment is because you decided to focus on, on that specific thing. Right. And when things happen by chance, like this one, then I value more because it means that I was op- I was open to to listen or to or to see an opportunity and it was not pushed by anyone, but it was going to happen because of destiny. So and that's where I focus, on people, on activities, on stuff. Okay. I'd like to go back a little bit, back to Unicredit. Did you travel around Europe as part of your uh, role in that bank, or were you largely stationed in Italy? I started as a teller. So from that point, I moved to the headquarter of one of the four small banks. At the beginning, was the roof of uh, the, the Unicredit. Then I've been lucky to move in the big headquarter when it was born. So merger of four banks. And then from there, I started to grow in one of them, in one of the new banks acquired in Central Eastern Europe, which was uh, Turkey. So I lived in Turkey for seven years in two rounds. Then I became uh, CEO for all Central Eastern Europe banks. So it was a total of 10 banks. And in this period, of course, I had to travel a lot. So I I was flying 160 times per year. So wow. I had exposure to all the culture of different countries, which are many, and I appreciated their development, the people there, and learn also how to connect cultures because uh, cultural differences are usually the most important uh, success factor or obstacle to success. And so that was my my career. And then at the end, I came back again 
in that quarter, looking at uh, everything on the operational machine. So from IT, operations, security, HR, transformation, purchase, uh, real estate, and so on and so forth, especially yeah. during COVID. So I had a pretty intense gymnastic around the group, but I would say I got a lot from the group. I gave all my lives, but today I'm uh, I'm also happy because yeah. thanks to that, I can uh, further move forward. I mean, in different things. What advice would you give to someone else for climbing the ranks? The, the suggestion is, first of all, as I said, the most important things are happening not because you want them, but simply because you're open to them. So I was always open to the train which was coming in front of me. The first train was uh, to move from a small town to Milan. I was not, I mean, super easy to go there, but then I accepted. The second train was to go to Turkey. And there I remember when my boss told me, you have to go to Turkey. And I said, I'm not going. And then I thought, well, what's the capital of Turkey? And that time I, I understood that I was not. So my, my no was because of not being open to, to knowledge or, I mean, to, to the experience. I said, okay. I go, I went to see it and I and I spent seven or seven years of my life. My 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 wife is Turkish now. And then again, I've been lucky enough to get the the position of uh, CEO for Central Eastern Europe and then back again. So I was always ready. And in this process, another factor is the focus on soft skills. So at the beginning I was more good on technical side then i got a feedback that i was too technical and i didn't have soft skills developed i said what are the soft skills at that time i said why i don't have soft skills and then i focus on that in fact the most important things you should develop are exactly those so you should learn how to deal with people you should learn how to deal with stress situation how to present how to negotiate so all these things everybody can learn it's not uh, IQ that uh, you have or you don't have, but in this case, the EQ can be developed. And that was the biggest step forward because when I learned what it was, then I focus on that and I develop. And then at a certain point, thanks to that, I've been able to, to get people pushing me. So I didn't basically want it to, to get uh, somewhere, but the people were exactly saying, no, oh, no, you're good, you can go. The team was creating excellent results and was uh, highlighting also the, the performance of the, of the person in charge. So I think you have to be ready. You have to take the challenge. You have to develop soft skills. And that's pretty it. You have to be lucky also because uh, you need to also to be lucky in your career, but not more than that. You have to, good, to do good your job. I mean, you need to be able to perform well. And many times, not only for you, but also for, for the others. So that's it. Okay. So you were open to new experiences and seems like you were highly adaptable or became more adaptable the more experiences you were open to. With COVID hitting, how did you react to that in your bank? That was another... So in, during my career, I went through various crises. Each of them was uh, always, I thought it was the last. Instead, it was just <laughs> the, the last before the next. Uh, yeah. And uh, the last one, which I, I lived, was exactly the COVID. And usually when those crises happened, I was in the most critical position. For example, Lehman Brothers, I was the CFO for Austrian Central Eastern Europe. So liquidity crisis, being a CFO, you are exactly 
on the wall. Yeah. Uh, on COVID, I became chief operating officer just uh, a month before. And at that point, that became the most critical position of the organization because you yeah. need to organize people and activities. So to safeguard the people mm. and to connect and push the technology to serve the people and the customer in uh, from remote. So you had to improve the technology. You had to put together health equipment, the mask, the vaccine, the in a very short period of time in different locations. You had mm-hmm. to put uh, barriers. You had to improve the, the air in all uh, real estate assets. You had to find the communication because uh, communication, were, so people were even more listening to the organization rather than to the authorities because they were much closer to to them. Interesting. So it, it was extremely interesting experience. And in that period, we've been able to change the organization even more than in a normal period because uh, you were forced to. That was interesting also because Italy was the first. And then we have been, uh, I mean, the, the world interconnected so much that I spent many hours happily to to transfer this uh, know-how to other companies, which then they used it to react in their own uh, territory. So it was very, very interesting period and full of learning. Sounds like it. It also sounds like maybe you're not so lucky after all being CFO during the Lehman Brothers crisis and COO during COVID, but what well, this seems like the perfect person for the job. And through those crises, by being open to new experiences, you're forcing yourself to grow and innovate because you only have so many tools when you first arrive in Istanbul. You only have so many tools when you face your first pandemic. When you're faced with those decisions, especially in your senior leadership role, who do you turn to? Do you trust your own experience at that point? Or do you have a peer group or mentors yourself that you can ask hard questions? So the more you grow, the more you learn that you are a very tiny part of the organization, unless you have a team around you. And so the the one to many which is different than one to few, it's something you learn and uh, you learn how to get the last one of the organization listening what you're saying or you to listen what the the last organization, uh, what he want to tell you. So, and this is impossible without a team and without the proper communication. So I always told my daughters, I have two daughters, that the most important thing in life is to learn who to choose around you. Because if you are able to choose the proper people around you, then you are safe. And uh, to choose the right people, it's something that school is not telling you how to how to make this selection. And this is the most important decision you have to do in life, choosing the right people around you. And there is a methodology. So that's why I was pushing my team also to learn to choose, but also learn how to tell the others which kind of person or manager you are. Only in this way, you create quality in discussions. And this, if you multiply, is becoming an environment where everybody can speak up, they can contribute, and then they can react together with you. And if you are able to do that, then you are in a perfect situation, and then you can solve also the most difficult crisis. Of course, you know, there is another component when you are in a crisis, people are tying up to each other. So... It's much more will because everybody wants to solve it. Mm. That's it. Okay. 
Could you share some of that methodology with us? How how you go about choosing the right people? What I with the team uh, created when I was, for example, in Central Eastern Europe, I created a platform to make visible the talents. So one of the first things you have to do is to, I mean, to create a platform where the talents are recorded in a place and recorded because not of not only one opinion, but multiple opinion as to to get together in order to say, okay, this is a talent in this area and so on and so forth. The first thing. The second thing is to make sure that they can have multiple experiences. We created an index whereby you were getting certain points if you were having cross-currency, cross-country experience or cross-divisional experience or both. So depending on those, you had more attitude to to get uh, uh, higher jobs. Then... When you create this platform, the other things we did is to make it visible. Visible meaning that the name of uh, one of the top in Bulgaria was known also on all the other countries because he was uh, presenting himself. He was telling his story. He was telling who the person was with a kind of elevator pitch. And so we had uh, we had events where elevator pitches were happening. Mm. At the, uh, with the, the, I mean, the senior, also the, the talents and the junior, where we were all assisting. And uh, if you create an environment where you start to see who are the, the right people, and then those people are taking the lead, and then you see what they're doing, then you create an environment where the people wants to, to be part of that. Right. They want to grow and they, they trust that uh, the decisions are correct. So you need to be consistent when you promote and potentially also when you dismiss people. It's not one, uh, I mean, session uh, exercise. There are also tools which are making you understanding which kind of person you are. I'm sure that you know that there are tools where there are the four colors. Right. You could be red, blue, yellow, or green. There are other tools which are creating your personality. Mm-hmm. And all of them are very useful to tell who you are to you and the potentially who you are with the others. I just give you an example. I learned that I am analytical, but also I'm able to, to direct in the time of, of needed. So, But if you come to me in a meeting without telling me if there is a problem, how big is the problem, without you to tell me this, I will never listen to you. Because for me, the urgency is to understand this first and then classify if it is a big problem, small problem, and what to do else. If you start talking to me about the political stuff which are around this problem, I'm not listening. But not because it's not important, because I'm different. But if I tell you this, and because you recognize my my who I am, then next time you will come and tell me this. And if you are more, I mean, uh, searching for the support uh, because you are more green uh, or, or or yellow, then I know that and I will not follow my, my amygdala in that moment, but mm-hmm. I will understand what you are. So if you are able to have a team which understand these pieces with which methodology you want, mm-hmm. then you create more quality because you you have energy which is exactly at the focus at the right moment. So I give you I, I gave you two examples, but yeah. there are many others. And this is a journey that uh, takes time to to make it uh, working because it's uh, organization is big, so you need to be right. 
consistent in uh, explaining, doing, and then uh, and then making it happen. Okay, it this sounds... is my experience. I, I mean, there are other experiences which are even better than mine. So different. It's beautiful because it's uh, it's big and everybody has its own story. I agree. It sounds like you're trying to create a virtuous cycle where you start an engine and it sustains itself basically and, and grows from exactly. it. So I like to create these engines, which happens also in, in business terms. So for example, one other thing that I'm proud of is to have created a, a best practice sharing pr- platform, which is easy to say everybody likes to have it, but how to do it. And so we created a platform whereby we said those t- 10 things, which was starting from a white piece of paper, which are on top of our strategic direction, are extremely important for the company. And for each of them, we define one KPI. So we said, with this KPI, we rank who is the best. 10 countries, one is the best. And then if that was the best, we said, okay, explain us why you are the best. So we, we learned from, for example, Spotify, they had a very good explanation. There is a, a video which is animated. In 20 minutes, you could have learned the operating model of Spotify as if you would have been there for six months. So in 20 minutes, you would be able to learn that. So we said, okay, let's do the same. You explain us in an animated way, in a, in a specific methodology, your attributes, why you are the best. In explaining that, then we said to the others, with all these pieces, is there any one of those that you feel, not as a whole, but as a piece, you are better? So without a top-down approach by the bottom-up. I said, yes, I'm better on this. I'm better on that. Cool. Tell us what you're doing this. And the others are listening. So we created the best, and we created also the pieces where also the best could have seen the others. I see. And you know what happened? It happened that times after after time, without giving any target, everybody wanted to get the best. Mm. And uh, in time measuring the same KPI, all the banks were aligning to that best in class. And they were eager to show that they were best in something else. And so in time, you create an environment where you don't need to tell where to go. You go where is the best going. Right. And so this is positive thinking. It's not negative. I must obey to an order of right. a direction. But it's not easy because you need to put around an environment where the trust is behind and the time is working on your favor. Then it's unstoppable. Mm. Then you get, for example, I remember we, one of the targets was number of customers. We have been able to grow from 11.5 million to 14.5 million in three years. Wow. That was incredible. Yeah. And incredible because of this. So I think this is a piece which I learned and I'm very proud to have learned. And of course, in, in order to maintain it, it should be, developed by 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 the other people that uh, that follow me I, I don't really know what they're doing i'm sure that they're doing even better in in uh, in this or in other stuff because the group is uh, is developing very well but those things are, are something which are really valuable to me and uh, i think that i'm using them because i learned to play basketball to be in a team and how to stimulate the others how to to represent the others and then somehow learn how to develop in 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 my career Thank you so much, Carlo, for sharing your story with us. That's a lot of fascinating lessons in there. I wish you the best with your your new endeavors and have a great day. Thank you very much. Ciao. Thank you for listening to the Rise and Search podcast. I hope that our conversation has sparked some new ideas and given you valuable insights that you can carry forward in your own journey. Until next time, eyes on the horizon.